Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Today, I'm sharing my visit with Pam Whale of Petite Baleen Jewelry. She'll be showing at the New York Now Show next month, August 10th through 14th at the Javits Center in booth 1442. Pam's jewelry design business precipitated from her marketing background and an affinity for artistic creativity. A serendipitous visit to a local boutique in her hometown of Katona, New York, was the springboard for petite baleen jewelry. As a mother of teen and adult children, she works her business around her family and their dog, who you'll actually hear in the background occasionally through the podcast, but I love that because it shows that we don't have to live in a perfect, sterile world to have both a career doing what we love and a personal family life. With the support of family and peers, we can enjoy both our personal and professional lives, which is just as exciting as it is empowering. Pam is endearing and approachable, and it was a delight visiting with her. Our visit begins as she shares how her knowledge base in marketing was influential in starting her business. She also shares the benefits of trade shows and what new and emerging designers can do until they're prepared to invest in shows. Thanks so much for joining me. I know you have a choice in podcasts and truly appreciate you tuning in to Jewelry Navigator. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. My, my background was in buying, and I was a, a buyer for Abraham and Strauss, which was part of Federated, and it goes back a while. So I went through their training program out of school, and then... Um, was in merchandising and sales, so I was in menswear and women's wear. And then I was home with, with you know, raising a family. Mm-hmm. And I live in Katona, which is, you know, like a, a sweet, artsy, kind of bucolic um, town about an hour north of New York City. And a great store opened in town. Um, and the person, the owner of it, this great local guy, a gemologist, and I walked in just as a shopper and got to talking with him. And I thought, you know, this is this is a store that really that our town is so lucky to have. It it has edge. It it he has great taste and um, was he it had a community feel. And as I was 
you know, shopping everything in there and taking it all in, he was looking at a piece that I was wearing that, and, you know, we, we got to talking, I was asking him questions about everything and how he came into business. And I, I caught him looking at, at my neck and he said, yeah, this is, this is all very good, but the piece that you're wearing, where'd you get it? It's something that I'm missing. And, um, I said, well, I, I, I made it. It was Tahitian pearl and it was the simplest, um, but to me the most beautiful, simple metallic blue pearl that I just had simply strung on leather. I said, you know, I need something like that. And I said, well, I, that's a piece I made for myself. I've, I've made a number of them. I've made them for friends. I've made them in different styles. Um, and he said, well, I, I'd, like, I'd like to carry them. Are you interested in making them? And, and I said, you know, I was getting one of my kids off to college, and I said, well, give me a couple months. I've got to get a kid out the door, and, um, and I'll bring in pieces, and we'll see. And I, from my retail background, I, I put together a capsule, and um, his name's Casey, and he, um, the store is Bijou of Katona. And I brought it in, and he was so supportive and and you know i can't imagine like a better partner for someone i was going to say for a designer at that point i was barely a designer i i was just making things that i liked and for my own enjoyment and he bought the collection and you know really in just such a lucky moment for me he said you know if i if i buy this and support you you can make more and and I'll take it in, and we'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And that was the luckiest and kindest break. And because of that, and because the store was so local to me, I could come in, I could see what people um, liked, what you know, how they would like things amended, what they were looking for, and and I could. It gave me the freedom to to dabble in whatever. Um, type of of gemstone appealed to me, so it so the line quickly evolved from working with Tahitian pearls. And I always liked um, luxe gemstones, but I always wanted to wear things easily, things that I didn't have to take off, things that could, you know, go on a on a four mile hike, and things that you would just wear as part of your sort of like your daily uniform pieces that you identified with. And mm-hmm. so from Tahitian pearls, it went to, I came across um, Australian boulder opals and started working with them. And, um, you know, at the beginning, I thought the line would stay very simple. But, but sort of very quickly, um, it evolved into, into um, using fine metals. And everything right now on the line is um, high high metal carrot, fall 14, 18, 20, 22 carat, and from there moved to rustic diamonds. And, you know, when you, when it's your own company, you don't have to, you don't have to run anything by anybody. Like your choices, the materials that inspire you, you're free to use for better or worse and gauge the reaction to. And so that was... I don't know. I I couldn't have planned that. That was just a lucky happenstance at a at an inflection point in my life when I had time to devote to it. 
and mm-hmm. one thing led to another. Wow. So would you say that going into Bijou of Katona, that was the beginning of Petite Bailey? Absolutely. I mean, okay. until, until that point, um, you know, I've always dabbled in different things that were creative, but really for my own enjoyment. I mean, my, I loved being a buyer, and I loved sourcing things in the market. Um, I loved, you know, creating an assortment and seeing what the reaction was. So I had the marketing background, but then, you know, my cre- the my creative need was taken up in a in a lot of different ways, and it was, you know, so so yes. I mean, I don't know that. Um, of co- the fact that I was drawn to Titian pearls and and sourcing things and and never sort of um, stopped creating things. I'm sure, you know, was was lucky and part of my personality. But it was it was just the the perfect time and the you know the perfect series of events that that led to the, that door opening. Tell me how you came up with the name of Petite um, Bailene. So, so Petite Bailene, so, I've, so my last name is Whale, although it's not spelled like, like uh-huh. W-H-A-L-E. And, uh-huh. and I felt like with, um, and Petite Bailene means little whale in French, and I felt like it, I needed a seafaring mammal. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like Titian pearls are, you know, nautical, and I felt like that was a, a good tie-in. It also felt like what I wanted to create was vacation-y, you know, sort of very casually, you know, moments of of being at ease and enjoying enjoying life. And so I I wanted the name to sort of have a vacation-y feel, a casual yet luxurious feel, and because my last name is Whale, it, mm-hmm. I didn't have to search too hard. <laughs> I love that connection. That's such a cool connection. And I especially, I, I'm scrolling through your Instagram right now, and as you're telling me this, I can definitely see how that just that casual, relaxed vibe is all through your style. Although you could easily dress most of your pieces up or down, but certainly it has that, just that feel of being very comfortable in your skin wherever you are. Well, I love that that's, you know, the read that you get from it. And I've, and as you know, the materials that I've worked with have evolved. I I've always wanted the line to be consistent to that. So, um, I want everything to be able to to layer together, and I want it to be. I want there to be an accessible base to the line, which which can be a springboard to, you know. To, to anything else that I want to produce. So mm-hmm. about six months ago before, um, before I did premiere, the premiere show in Vegas, um, I, I decided to make pieces with Colombian emeralds. Now, those I felt like needed to be in 20 and 22 karat gold, but I still wanted them to, uh, or at least a component of that section of the line in that collection, to almost have 
a tumbled sea glass find on the beach. So, you know, so most of, most of my finishes in gold are matte or brushed, um, maybe are, are slightly hammered. They're textured. Um, all of my stones are set in one-of-a-kind settings that are hand-carved and, and then cast in the lost wax method. I, I want everything to have a one-of-a-kind and an organic and approachable feel. I want, I want it to be wearable. I don't want it, I don't want it to be things that, that you tuck away for a special occasion. You know, I, 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 want, I want it either to be on you or something that, that you reach for easily and that, you know, that the pieces be happy pieces. I really feel that that's going to be relevant no matter, no matter what time, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it's still going to be a relevant concept of, of everybody's desire to be comfortable and still wear something pretty and make them feel nice. So then after you got yourself established in your hometown boutique, when was the first time that you did a trade show and which one did you do? So I wanted to make sure um, that I had production, you know, all, all locked up so that, if, so that if I was fortunate enough to do a trade show and, and get a, a good reaction that I could um, fill orders. I, I wanted to make sure that, that there was enough stock, that um, the line was diverse enough, that it was layered enough. Um, so I would say for two, two and a half years, I worked on production and I contacted stores individually. Some were stores that I had shopped at. I mean, the, the Internet, of course, is, is awesome for finding, um, finding out about businesses across the country that, that have collections that, you know, you identify with or I would feel like my line could be a good match for. So it was really me reaching out, um, stores that that I was intrigued by and getting in touch, sending line sheets, um, following up, following them on Instagram eventually. And my first, and the business grew, you know, sort of slowly but surely that way. And then three, three New York Nows ago, so about a year and a half ago now, I decided that it was, it was time to see you know exactly what this was and whether what doing a trade show could mean for it. And luckily, I I live outside of New York City. Um, New York now is right within New York City, twice a year at the Javits um, at Javits, and there's a section um, New York now handmade designer maker that you know you can apply for. It's it's jured and it's. Um, and so I decided the show before I was thinking of applying, I went down and walked it just to see what the feel was like and um, what, the, what the jewelers and designers that were there, what they were doing, and even to stage a booth, like what was required, what, what was the level of, of the presentation and what was the level of the, the merchandise that was shown. And... Walking it, I, I also like met a lot of really nice people who were showing their lines, and 
we're willing to answer questions. So to me, the show always had a warm feel, and um, and I felt like it was something that I could that I could show at, be comfortable, um, sort of present at the level of the people around me that were also participating. And so after seeing that show, I applied. And now this will be the one coming up in August. It'll be my third time doing this show. And it's, it's been great. I think it show polls from all over, um, nationally as well as internationally. And I would say my first show, um, people walked by, people, you know, stopped by, it felt very positive. Um, people were willing to write orders. Other people took notes and seemed truly interested. And the second show, I was really happy because of the number of those people that had, you know, taken notes the first time and some photos actually came back by and said, good, oh, good, I was, I was hoping you'd be here. So I think that there's, uh, that consistency is part of it. I think you have to... You have to keep showing up. I mean, people, mm-hmm. retailers want to know that, that you'll be a partner, that, um, that you're serious, you know, it's, and that, that you're a business person as well as an artist and a designer. You know, mm-hmm. you, um, and I think, you know, the feel of the show, it's, it's so many, in, in Handmade Designer Maker, there's so many um, talented people. It's not just all jewelry. It's a lot of it's a lot of different categories. Um, but you know, I always love being there for the setup because it's uh, most of the bu- most of the businesses are people wearing a lot of different hats. You know, people people come in and paint their booths and set up and are stenciling. You know, applying their names to the walls and and then. Everything's set up, and it looks like a million dollars, and and the energy of the show is incredible, and the show ends, and these same people are now, like, in blue jeans, breaking down. It's, people are, people are wearing all the different hats, and I, and I, it's, it's, it's wonderful to sort of be together with everybody putting forth their best effort, their best product, and yeah, the energy is really great. I, I love I love the show. I would I would definitely recommend it. That's great. I love hearing that. Doing New York now actually led to the opportunity of doing premiere in Vegas, which was an unbelievable opportunity. Mm-hmm. And um, this I can tell you for sure. For sure, this past um, end of May, beginning of June, this was the first year that that premiere um, was part of what occurred during um, Vegas Jewelry Week. And that was, that was an amazing opportunity. It was a way to show in Vegas in, in a like, beautiful, I think beautifully curated, turnkey setup. And um, um, Liz Kantner and Morgan Miller... I, I believe co-curated the entire thing, and they could not have made it easier. And that was all jewelry, and and I just every every designer there. I could have gone to any booth and made a wish list of my own, at least 
you know, at least five pieces <laughs> deep. It was, it was such a treat um, to, to be able to, you know, meet, meet people that I followed and have followed me back. It was um, on Instagram. It was very supportive, and, and I felt very fortunate to be able to be part of it. And so many stores that don't always make it to New York now um, that I'd had long-distance correspondence with, um, you know, particularly on the West Coast, were there, and I got to, you know, so it was a great opportunity to, to meet face-to-face. It was, it was super. I, you know, it, it, and, and the look of the show was amazing. So I had, of course, overpacked, which I try not to do in my own life, but for business I always do, and uh-huh. it was really nice to have the setup be so, so easy and, and look so good. I haven't yet met Liz, but she did a podcast with me a couple of months ago, and it was right before the premiere show. I was yeah. so happy to get to uh, touch face with her before she went out to Vegas, but I'm so impressed with her and so proud of the job that she's doing with um, you know, taking over, curating those shows. She started with the JA show, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, she's doing a great job. And I love that she's created this community of just open and shared communication, and it just trickles down through. It sounds like all aspects of the show, from you know the visitors to the the jewelers and the the artists. So it sounds yep. like she's doing a great job. I she really did. Um, I listened to that podcast. I I've and I loved it, and I loved hearing what you know. By that point, we were. Um, all committed to it. It was, you know, it, it was well on it. It was rolling forward. Right. It, had, it had left the station and we, you know, we weren't there yet. But um, yeah, I, and I, I think that her, you know, her and their support of emerging designers um, and the camaraderie that, that sort of was directed from Liz and, and Morgan and, um, that it, it infused the show. So um, I think because of their spirit and all of the energy that they put in, everybody was really on board to, to make it a great event, um, to meet each other. I think, I, I mean, I know it sounds, it, it, it might sound a little bit, hard to believe or possibly atypical, but, uh, but yeah, every, it, it really felt to me like everybody was, was pulling for each other, excited for each other, excited to meet each other. And, and as I said, like the, the merchandise, the, the pieces that were there were, were, were beautiful. And, you know, a lot of us work with some of the same stones or within some of the same categories, but everybody had a distinct voice. And, you know, I thought that there was room for, for everybody. Also, Liz had set up um, one morning um, a, men- a mentoring program where um, different jewelers or, or store owners came in early and um, 
met with the designers one-on-one and offered advice, everything from sourcing, reaching out to stores, Instagram presence. Um, It was a a fun morning of learning and sharing and, you know, and it sort of served the additional purpose of all of these industry greats coming coming in and, and seeing these emerging designers when when they might not have made it over to our end of you know the Vegas strip if if not for this great event that was created so so it was a win win it was it was really a, a great day all the way around and a and a tremendous show I thought. That's great. Um, yeah, it does it definitely sounds like it was um, it was just a huge production that advocated for just like you said the designers who may not have been seen because they're you know put in a different part of the show. So it definitely gave you all a leg up to get in front of those stores that are coming every year and see fresh new things, which is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, with any new show, it probably takes a while for it to gain momentum. But it, it, the store's reaction felt very sincere. The stores that came in said, you know, this is, this is really a great addition to Vegas Week. Uh, had we, you know, next, next time, we'll, we'll stop here first. It, it, there was a freshness to it and an enthusiasm, and and, and I think that um, I think that it, the show will have a, a really great trajectory. So I'm I'm excited. I would you know absolutely do it again in a heartbeat. Good, good. Yeah. So let's see. What can you tell us that's coming up new with your collection that we can look forward to seeing in, at New York now? Um, well, I started to work with a lot of navy gray spinels. I just mm-hmm. think spinels, spinels are so, they're so fiery and at the same time sort of dark and mysterious and flashy and sort of uh, really elegant in a, in a subtle and subdued way. I think they're, they're just like such sexy stones. And, and actually I feel very lucky because I, I just found out that spinel is an additional August birthstone, which, and I'm an August baby. So like, yay, <laughs> yay. So, so now I can in, uh, fully indulge in my spinel habit. Um, so there'll be a number of spinel pieces, studs, rings, um, a lot more designs using boulder opals and lightning ridge opals. Um, and those are always so much fun to work with because they're really just, you know, absolutely one of a kind. And, um, and each one, I think, you know, my, my original plan was to find a setting that I love and form them all, you know, cut them all into the setting. And I just think that the miners and the cutters do such an unbelievable job in highlighting the beauty and the flash and the fire in each one, that it's mm-hmm. just evolved, that, that each setting is one of a kind and um, is made specifically for the stone. So a couple of new designs coming up um, using um, Australian opals 
and working with some braided gold um, for for teas and pearls. I, I really, you know, I love the simplicity of 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 pearls on leather, um, but I've been toying and with making some rings that sort of have that braided look, um, but keep the simplicity of the style, but elevated into into 18 karat gold. So, yeah, but but you'll have to come by and see. I certainly will. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. So do you think you'll sprout out into other spinel colors besides the navy? And that's those, I have to say... Those are some of my favorite colors, the, that dark gray, deep navy, because it's so unique. Oh, and, like, it, it almost runs towards violet or mm. petrol blue. Yeah, no, they are, they are really gorgeous. And mm-hmm. there's one style that I do um, called the wink ring. It's more of a stacking ring, um, and, it, and I've done it in various stones, Sleeping Beauty, um, uh, moonstone, labradorite, but I, I just got a ton of um, spinel in all different colors to do like sort of the full spinel rainbow. And each one is mm-hmm. set with a fine full cut diamond, also. So, so those will be on the line. Um, yeah, but the navy ones really, the the navy gray violet range are the ones that really. Speak to my heart. There's something else. Yeah, they're yeah. beautiful. So for emerging designers who might be in a different stage of their business towards the beginning, what kind of advice can you give them as far as planning for a show or where where should they start to get their foothold? I, I would say, you know, definitely walk the show's in advance so that you can see which one feels like it's a, a good fit for you. And, and any of the big shows will, will let you, will welcome. I mean, they want, they want to add designers and fresh faces in. So, you know, call up, ask if you can come walk it. They would be happy to let you. And, and speak to the other designers that are, that are there. Um, like I don't know. Uh, one thing that that I learned from walking the show is that I if, at every show I always get I always get extra lighting I, because especially with jewelry I think I think it really makes a difference in your booth to have things pop and yeah you're you're there for you're working for long hours there you want you want the light to be great or at least. At least I find that I do. So, like, that was something that I was glad that I walked the show so I could see the different options. Um, okay. Get, when you're setting up, I would leave, you know, I, I always try to get there the first day that's open for setup um, because I like to be able to merchandise, take it apart, re, you know, look at it in a couple of different ways, photograph everything so that, you know, the mornings of the show, it makes setup very easy. Mm-hmm. With fine jewelry, you end up breaking down and resetting up. And so, you know, there's, there's no shortcut for, 
pre-setting up and, and putting in the time that way. Um, I would also, you know, use your Instagram to see the stores that whose feel match your own. You know, stores that you're really drawn to and and are going to be the ones that are the best natural fit. So, you know, the, not to put um, a square a square peg in a round hole. You know, things that that feel innately right and that you're drawn to should be where where you put out feelers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and where you can visit. You know, start start locally. You know, start in your state and and the neighboring state or two, places that you can drive to, and you know, ask if you can bring the line and and show them. Make make it as easy as you can for them. Mm-hmm. And some will be yeses and some will be noes. But until you in, until you ask, until you ask, it's always a no. So you have nothing to lose, you know. Right. It, um, yeah, and I don't know. Keep a reach out, reach out to other designers as well. Um, and and that's easiest to do at a show because you're sort of all in the same boat. Um, but you know, make sure make sure that you have your your ducks in a row before you take the next step. There's, there's no rush, and, um, and I think it's better to sort of be, pre- be overly prepared than, un- than underprepared. And you learn mm-hmm. as you go. I mean, there's plenty of, mis- plenty of mistakes along the way, but, um, but nothing that you can't, you know, adapt to and, and change your course a little bit. There's plenty of tweaking that goes on. Those are great points of um, recommendations for people who are not ready to take that next step to a show is just do as much yourself as you can until you can get to that stage where you're ready to get to that next step. And walking the show, that was a, I didn't know that that was an option that was available, but that makes sense to be able to walk the show before you decide to invest in it. Yeah, and... Um, and also, I would definitely recommend when you decide to do a show to have to have someone with you. You know, like to I think that it it, it helps the energy in your booth. You know, to to have someone someone alongside to to bounce off of. You know, mm-hmm. to and especially with jewelry, you want the extra set of hands, the extra set of eyes, and you don't want someone to come to the booth and not have questions answered. And it doesn't, you know, in some of the shows, my my best helpers at the show have been a great friend's daughter who's in her early 20s and my own kids and who are also now in their late teens and early 20s. The the nice thing about that is that they're so enthusiastic about the line. Like they gen they genuinely love the pieces. They wear the pieces, and they look adorable in everything. And I think that even if they don't always have all the technical answers and information down, um, the in- the intention is 
is always there and clear. You know, there, and and that's that's been wonderful. I had um, two two people with me in Vegas, and I always have um, one or an, another person with me at New York now, and and it it makes it fun. And I think if you're having fun, the read of the read and the vibe of the booth can only be helped by that. So mm-hmm. that's great. I love that advice. Well, thank you so much, Pam, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us and share your story and share some insights with emerging designers and even, you know, designers who are seasoned. They might pick up something from what you said and, you know, use something that, that you know, you, you recommended it might come in handy for someone else. So it's been a pleasure getting to visit with you. And like I said, I can't wait to meet you next month. Oh, my gosh, it's coming up. So I know. Fast. It's it's right around the corner. Lots mm-hmm. of summer to enjoy in between now and then. But, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to get to say hey to you in person. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for being my guest. And kind of on short notice, I really appreciate you responding and being open to taking time no, with I'm me. So, I'm so glad that, that you reached out. And I and I have never done anything like this before. So so this was, you know, really such a such a nice call or or message to get. Thank you. Okay, Pam, well I'll be okay. in touch. Have a great night and a happy upcoming birthday. Thank you. All right. I'll see you next time. Talk month. soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. The overarching aesthetics of Batik Bailing Jewelry are relaxed yet elegant and easily reflect today's organic vibes. Using a mix of materials appeals to a wide shopping demographic from youthful and carefree to luxurious and sophisticated. Batik Bailing Jewelry pairs Tahitian pearls with leather, while high carat gold cradle stones like Colombian emeralds, boulder opals, and alluring spinel. Petite Paling Jewelry offers shoppers a range of unique and one-of-a-kind jewelry. Pam will be in booth 1442 at the New York Now Show. And once again, that's August 10th through 14th at the Javits Center in New York City. Be sure you stop by and say hello. Check out her beautiful jewelry. I can't wait to meet her in person and try everything on. Be sure you watch my feed because I'll certainly be posting those on my Instagram and within some new posts. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for me. Grab me and say hello. I'd love to meet you if you're showing there or you're going to be visiting as a shop or a store owner, whatever. I'd love to meet more people and make more friends. If you're a designer and would like to be featured on Jewelry Navigator podcast, now's your time to tell your story on one of the fastest growing platforms. I have a few openings left in my schedule to feature designers and industry specialists for upcoming episodes. You can reach me at Brenna at JewelryNavigator.com or DM me on Instagram and my handle is at JewelryNavigator. Be sure to follow me and subscribe for Jewelry Navigator podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. I loved sharing Pam's story. Stay tuned for more exciting jewelry finds and discoveries until next time put your jewelry on first before assisting others with theirs thanks a lot bye-bye